once again to the Perimeter Church Podcast. We are pleased to bring you the message from this week's worship service. For more information about this message, this week's teacher, and to watch or see other messages, please visit our website at perimeter.org. Thank you for joining us today. Easter's a big deal, isn't it? Easter's a big deal. I mean, look how we would get people here early, this early, to worship. You don't do that every, every week of the year. It never happened. It's Easter. It's a big deal. Largest attendance for churches all across the land. No doubt about it. Uh, typically dressing up beyond what's normal. Why do we do that? I'll tell you, the reason that we do that is because Christianity literally stands or falls on the authenticity of Jesus being who he claimed he is. Then you think about it, and the reality is the authenticity of Jesus being who he claimed to be lies in this one thing called the resurrection. Did he rise or did he not? You know, this Jesus, he made some lofty claims. If you think about it, you can walk through the scriptures. He says, before Abraham, I am. He says, I'm the light of the world. If you really want to see, you come to me. You'll see the sight that will give you eternal life. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. There's nobody that can come to the Father except through me. He says, I'm the bread of life. You eat of me, you'll never hunger again. I'm the water. Drink of me, you'll never thirst again. I mean, this Jesus made claim after claim that would seem to be absolutely impossible to be real. It would be like I say to you, hey, do you know, you've probably never seen me play basketball, but I can whip Zion Williamson every time I play him. It doesn't matter who you put in front of me. I can beat them all. He said, no, that can't be. But he claimed it. He claimed claims that people said it could not, could not be possible. If you take the whole of Scripture, you know what he was claiming? You see this all throughout Scripture. He claimed these three life commodities that we hold to be the most precious beyond all. He says, this is what I can do. I can give you purpose. I can give you freedom. And I'm not talking about the license to do what you want to do. I'm talking about the ability to do what you're supposed to be doing, what you need and truly want to be doing. And I can give you assurance that the day you leave this earth, you're going straight to heaven and you'll be with me forever and ever. There are no claims any greater than that that he has made. Then we come to the reality that it's not just him that's claiming that this Jesus rose from the dead. You've got two that I would call first a historian, another the great apostle, but the historian being a secular historian. Jewish, lived in the same era of Jesus. Flavius Josephus, uh, here was a historian, lived at 90 A.D., wrote during the years of 90 A.D., and he's respected across the world. And this is what he says. He says this Pilate, He condemned Jesus to the cross. He goes on to say uh, he wasn't forsaken, meaning Jesus was not forsaken. He says then he appeared alive on the third day, and there are Christians alive today, he says, that verify that. Now, that is a secular Jewish historian. 
We have no reason historically to believe that Jesus didn't live and even historically that he rose from the dead. But still we hear that claim and this is the claim of Easter. We hear, oh, Jesus has risen. Jesus has risen. And here's the question, Christian, do we believe he has really risen? Do we believe it? I doubt that any of us in our minds say, if we're Christians, oh, I don't think he did. That would be our assumption that of, of course he did. I don't think outside a few seekers that are trying to figure it out at this early hour, I don't think there are many Christians that would have any real great suspicion about his resurrection. But here's what I do believe. I believe for many of us that there is a disconnect. There's a disconnect between the belief we have in the resurrection and these three life commodities that we hold to be so precious. Purpose, freedom, and assurance. Apostle Paul, he's the second author that writes about this in a profound way. Keep in mind, live, lived at the time of Jesus. In the same era, right after his death, this is what he writes, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 8. Reads like this. It's in your bulletin if you want to follow. It's on the screen. But if you have your Bibles, great. Use them. But here is what he says. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. He appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, and then he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now. But some have fallen asleep, meaning they've died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. Do you know he never argued the case again of the resurrection? It's the only time he ever did. But do you know what he did do? He argued the thought what if he didn't rise? And so in our, in our same text, he uses a literary device that is called hypothetic reasoning. He's saying, okay, if it's not true, and he takes these very three commodities and he talks about them. And here's just very simply, I'm going to do my very best to make sure we see the connection between the resurrection and our everyday life. So here they go, three. First, our purpose is invalid. Okay, Christian, you think about this. Let's assume for just a moment that he did not rise from the dead. Then here's what we have to believe. We have to believe that our purpose is invalid. Verse 12 through 16, here's how it reads. He says, now if Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. Let me pause there. You see, there were people who were saying, resurrection, I'm not sure people do rise from the dead ever. I'm not really sure. You think people rise? I don't know. I don't, do you think so? I don't know. Do you follow Jesus? I follow Jesus. Do you? He says, look, let's, let's forget that talk. Either Jesus rose and we rise, or people don't rise and therefore Jesus didn't rise. It just doesn't happen. It's one or the other. And so he goes on to say in verse 14, and if Christ has not been raised and our preaching is in vain, your faith also is in vain. 
Moreover, even we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we testified against God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. When he says in verse 14, our faith is in vain, he is actually saying it's empty, it's a sham. See, here's the thing, just to put it very simply. You understand that as Christians, we have a life purpose. Every Christian has a life purpose. Now here's the question, is it eternal or is it temporal? See, we have that option. Those that are outside the faith, they just have a temporal life purpose. You want to know what your life purpose is? Imagine the scenario. Just imagine that you are a new parent. And let's say you're the husband in this particular story. And the wife has just had the child fairly recently. You couldn't be more thrilled in parenthood. You have a child. And that child comes down with a very suspicious illness and you're concerned but not overly it's the first trip to the doctor and maybe the wife takes the the baby in to the doctor the husband there alone assume you're the husband even if you're male or female in this role you can reverse it whatever but alone and you get the phone call from your spouse crying uncontrollably sobbing in a way you can't even understand what's being said and she says it's leukemia. They say it's advanced. They say there's probably little to no hope of survival for this child. And you are just stricken so much so you, you're in shock and then you're, you, you're uncontrollable. You're, you're weeping. You, you don't even know what to say. After you've hung up, you're there in your room alone. You know no one else is in the house. And you fall to your knees and you cry out to God and say, oh God, anything, anything, I don't care, anything, you name it, but please spare my child. At that very moment, a little tap on your shoulder, knowing you're the only person in the room, you're horror stricken, you look around and you can tell how I don't know, but you can tell this is an angel. And the angel says to you, God has heard your prayer. One thing you must do, and you say anything, anything. Write out your life purpose. Write it out. And to the degree it's honest, not necessarily a good life purpose. If it's good, wonderful. If it's not, all right, it's not. But God knows your heart. What you write on that paper determines the life of your child. Now you're going to be honest. And you have to say, my life purpose is blank. Whatever you put in that blank, however you write the end of that sentence, would it be eternal or would it be temporal? That's the question. See, what Paul is arguing is this. Let me tell you, if Jesus rose from the dead, and your life purpose as a Christian is temporal? We are the fool of fools. He says, no, no, no. Connect the two. 
He rose from the dead. Why would our life purpose not be eternal? You see, a temporal life purpose, it has to do with circumstances. It has to do with how good are things, how happy am I, how are things going, am I getting what I want, am I enjoying life? Eternal life purpose is much different. It says, no, 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 no. I live for one purpose. It's to glorify God. I wake up every day on mission. My mission is to say, God, how do I serve you? What do you want from me today? How can, how can I demonstrate my love best for you? How do I seek you? How do I seek your kingdom? That really is the life purpose that's eternal. You want to figure out what yours really is? Two easy, easy questions. The first is, how do I make? Uh, first one, how do I view my life problems? That's a great telltale right there. How do I view my life problems? The other is, how do I make life decisions? So you take Paul, tremendous illustration in the book of Philippians, and Paul is in prison of all places. And you know what he writes? He writes the book of Philippians and he says, rejoice, 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 rejoice. 16 times he talks about joy. And he says, you know what? I'm in prison, but I rejoice because I believe that my circumstances here will turn out for the greater progress of the gospel, not my own happiness, not how my circumstances. He said, no. You see, I'm, I'm on purpose and it's eternal. And then how do you make life decisions? Paul goes on to say, you know what? I, I, can, I can go on back, you know, eventually I'll get out. I can, I can go right back to the city of Jerusalem. I'll be stoned to death. I know I will. And that's exactly what I would rather happen. I would rather die. I right now want to go and just be with my master. All this stuff on this earth, all this persecution, it's over. But he says, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to keep laboring on behalf of you and the kingdom, the Christians that he's talking to. He says, that's my purpose. That's, it's eternal. That's why I live. And folks, for you and me, we have to say the same thing. What about us? Why, why do we get up? What is our purpose? How do we view our life problems? And then how do we make our life decisions? You see, every one of us, if not now, will be in prison at some point. You know that. Oh, it may not be a physical cell, but it's going to be, it's going to be a relational prison. It's going to be a medical prison. Uh, it's going to be some kind of prison. It's coming, no doubt. Maybe it's a financial prison. That's going to tell us what our life purpose is. And then how we make those decisions. What kind of roommates do we pick when we go to college? What kind of decisions do we make when it comes to a life partner? Or how am I going to use my time? You see, our life problems and our life decisions will point to what our purpose is. And Paul is simply saying this. Hey, you're a Christian? And don't you believe in the resurrection? If you believe in the resurrection, your purpose must be eternal. It would make sense no other way. So that's the first one. The other two are a lot quicker to deal with. They're just a verse each or so. Our, our second, our freedom is, is imagined. And so he goes on in verse 17, he says, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless, and you are still in your sins. Now, you know, there, the, the word worthless here means vain or futile, actually fruitless and so forth. There are two words as relate to sin 
that tell the story of Christianity. I'll make it real simple. You know what they are? In, I-N, and to, T-O. Just keep this in mind. In, sin, to, sin. Let me read just a couple of quick verses. Explains it all. Chapter 8 of John, verse 24 says, Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Ephesians 2.1 says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Uh, being in sin means that we're facing the penalty of sin. We're facing the, the power of sin. And then there's this second word, Two. Chapter 6 of Romans 1 and 2 says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Simple. Make it simple. We're either living in sin or we've died to sin. We've been separated from a sin nature which gives us freedom. So what do you do when you lay awake at night? Your heart's bound. You know what you do? You do what I did this morning. You go before the Lord and you say, Lord, here it is. I got power. I got to use that power right now. And my mind tells me one thing. But truth tells me something else. And so God you fill me with your power. Let me think your thoughts. Let me love what you love. Let me hate what you hate. You got to fill me, God. I got to have power. You know what Paul says in this text? Randy, if there is no resurrection, then what you are assuming is merely imagined. It's literally some kind of psychological illusion that you've experienced you've been deceived you don't have any power you're just hoping so but here's the question did he rise from the dead if he did then let me tell you we can have freedom we can have freedom every day of our life it is possible thirdly and lastly he says if no resurrection our assurance meaning of our future salvation after we die he said, it is impossible. Verse 18 says, then those who have fallen asleep, meaning died, in Christ have perished. You know, many of us, we're living the hope every day, aren't we, when we get up. If we've lost a loved one, we got this hope that I'm going to see that loved one one day. That loved one was a Christian. That loved one's in heaven right now. And I'm going to go to heaven and I'm going to see that loved one and I live for that hope to be with my loved one. And many of us that are living right now with a hope that we're going to be in heaven because we're about to die. I got a couple of dear friends in this church, very good friends. And the doctors would say, you're dying of cancer. It is not healable. It's, you're not going to be healed, medically speaking. It isn't going to happen. And I watch these people and I say, you know, you've got something real what is this? And they say, I've got hope. you got hope. What is that hope in? My hope that I'm going to be with my Savior. I'm going to heaven. 
I'm telling you, that's the difference. But let me tell you, Paul says, hey, if there's no resurrection, I mean, you've just been fooled. You are crazy. Good if it makes you feel a little bit better to think that way. But let me tell you, it ain't going to happen. Give it up. There must be the resurrection. And if so, the resurrection, we got all the hope in the world. He ends it by saying in verses 19 and 20, if we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. He says, you're to be pitied if there's no resurrection because you've just been deluged. You're being persecuted, Paul. You're being persecuted, whoever it is. that You've been persecuted as a Christian. What in the world would you go through that if Jesus didn't even rise from the dead? But if he did, let me tell you, there's no greater purpose. There's no greater freedom. There's no greater assurance. Let me conclude with this. If and or when I learn that my greatest temporal hope has been shattered. If and when I lose Carol as my wife and she passes. If I lose a grandchild, if I lose a child, let me tell you, there's only one question that I need to have answered. Did Jesus rise from the dead or no? Did he or did he not? And if he didn't, I have nothing. If he did, folks, I have everything that I could ever want in life. And so do you as a Christian. If he rose, our purpose is valid, our freedom is real, and our assurance is guaranteed. That's the connection, folks. Any of you drifted away? You say, my purpose is not so, uh, so intact. I think I'm more living for the now, for the temporal. I love the quote by Cyprian. He wrote this in the late 200s or mid-early 200 A.D. He said, he can no longer have God for his father who has not the church as his mother. You know what I'd say to you? If you've been kind of drifting, you came, it's Easter. I'm coming to church. You come back to mama. You come back to mama. She's ready for you. And you need her. And you need the Father. And the Father with his church give you what you're really needing in life. Take that spiritual pilgrimage and you run hard. Find you a spiritual family. Enjoy that family. Be a part of the people of God. And the way you do that is you look to Jesus and see what he did on Calvary's cross. Thus, Good Friday, just a couple of days ago, we celebrate. And then we remember, okay, and he rose to prove what he did on Friday is legitimate. Purpose, freedom, and assurance. Hey, let me invite you before I pray. Let me invite you to take maybe some of the options that we're offering because we want this to be a safe place for those that are seeking to figure out the faith, for those of us that are Christians that are trying to help other people figure out the faith. We got several good options. If you want mama, maybe this is the right mama for you. 
You know what I say? You come to our Taste of Perimeter. Our Taste of Perimeter is going to be next Sunday. It's a, a time that's just kind of an initial, hear the story of Perimeter and see if this might be a good church for you. Five o'clock here, you can look in our bulletin. We have all kind of announcements for that. But, uh, but come join us in the Fellowship Hall and come casual, bring your children, child care. But we have Taste of Perimeter. Carol and I love to host that. Jeff, along with us, is going to provide a, a great opportunity for you to really enjoy a, uh, a great night together. And then we have a new series beginning next week. Our teaching team, outside of me, because I'm going to be doing our investigative forum, I'll mention, but doing a new series on Ruth. And the series is going to be uh, entitled The Steadfast Love of God. What a great study that'll be. So join us during our worship hours for that. At 1045, for the next number of weeks, I'm going to be doing what we call investigative forum. We'll be inviting our friends to come, and maybe we want to just come to be equipped, but hopefully as Christians we'll try to bring people. But it's a time to come and literally understand the hardest questions that ever challenged the Christian faith. We've taken the four hardest, most difficult, challenging, important questions, and we address those four questions. Then we say, and what questions do you have? And by the way, if you'd like to stand up and raise the question right here, bring it right now. Just personally, we love that. If you don't feel comfortable doing that, then just you, you, can, you can email it, you can text it. Uh, easy, just let it come up to the screen and we'll take it on. It doesn't have to know who even asked it. But we'll address the questions you're asking. And in fact, I'm going to encourage you to do this, Christian. If you've got somebody you'd like to invite, you might feel it'd be easier to do it this way. After next week, on Tuesday, it'll be online. Go to perimeter.org slash if. You go online and say, watch that and see if you want to come to the next and final four weeks when we address those four questions. So the first week just introduces it and helps us all get on the same page. It's a wonderful beginning. I hope you'll be coming in Christian community. Let's utilize this. Got a lot of good things coming. And then the last thing is that we have for our guests that are here, those not a part of this church, you've come just to be a part of what we're doing. We have a little book called The Answers, a little book I've written a, a few years ago. Very, very brief, but I think you'll find it to be very impactful. It's called The Answer, Finding or Putting an End to the Search for Life Satisfaction. So just know there's one out there, one per family. We'd love to have you take it as you leave. But I'm going to pray, and after we pray, we're going to sing, and then we'll be dismissed. But let's, let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we bow before you and and declare that uh, we believe, we believe that you did rise from the dead. And in light of that fact that you have died and you have risen and you died for our sins before you did, God, we now take on life with a new purpose. And we pray now that we might surrender to you our hearts and say, Lord, I'm here to live on purpose for you eternally. God, give me the freedom. You've given it to me. Let me embrace it so that I can live with power. I pray you'd give me assurance that even if I were to know I'm dying tomorrow, that I could lay in peace and know that I get to be with you. So God, grant those three commodities for every person in this place. And may we always remember when we think of resurrection, the great promises you've made in these three arenas. So we thank you, we bless you, and we pray in the great name of the one we even sing about now as we sing to crown him Lord of all. 
We pray in his name. Amen. You've been listening to the Perimeter Church podcast. Perimeter Church is located at the corner of Highway 141 and Old Alabama Road in Johns Creek, Georgia. Please visit our website at www.perimeter.org for more information, to give us your feedback, and find other messages from our teaching team. Thanks for making this podcast a part of your day. Thank you.